At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Now it's time for the financial outlook for personal investors. And Russ Mould, Investment Director of Asia Bell, joins me to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. I guess, Russ, we need really to talk about uh, Ukraine. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued in a similar way to what happened with COVID, where we could see that it was happening. And yet it wasn't really until uh, quite late on that markets everywhere reacted. Again, although we were all told there may be an invasion of Ukraine. It wasn't until it actually happened that markets really decided to turn I, I tail. Guess because it's such a rare experience, thankfully, in yeah. the modern world. I mean, in terms of you know European conflict, since 1945, there was that horrible war in what was Yugoslavia, which was you know truly unpleasant, but but it re- relatively confined in its mm. in its own world. If you visit Croatia and Montenegro, the, the memories there are clearly still incredibly strong I, I think it's such an alien concept to us that one nation should invade another that I, I don't think anybody could quite believe it even if yes you could argue that whatever you think of his mental state and his mental capabilities you can argue that president putin had been planning for this for some time given the gradual reliance on the u.s dollar of the russian economy the stockpiling of gold the moving foreign exchange reserves to the rem nimby uh, and you could argue he he if you're playing realpolitik, and I, I won't pretend that I'm an expert on geopolitics, but if you're playing realpolitik, waiting to pick your moment at a time when there's inflation in the West, there's pressure on interest rates, uh, and Germany has just decided to shut down its nuclear and coal facilities and increase its dependence upon your gas, you know, you could argue that he has picked his time to mm. try and apply maximum pressure. What he probably uh, has perhaps misunderestimated is the degree to which the West was able to retaliate economically, even allowing for Russia's greater economic independence and strong foreign exchange reserves and the higher oil and gas price. Because if you think back to 2014, when sanctions were imposed after the Crimean invasion, the Russian economy went into recession pretty quickly because interest rates went from 9 to 17%, but oil and gas were a lot lower. So he's got a little bit more wiggle room now, but I think the sanctions that have been imposed this time are so much more wide-ranging. So I think that's why also why we wouldn't have expected an invasion. So what does it mean? I mean, in the end, the most important thing is what's happening on the ground in Ukraine and share prices are a small, if it, if, re, if at all relevant consideration in, in comparison, but this is an investment program. So that's hmm. what we'll talk about. Um, I guess the issue is, you know, we've talked about inflation versus deflation versus stagflation fairly consistently for the last 12 or 18 months. Yeah. The inflation argument had begun to win out. We, you know, I, I think what we're seeing now, you know, bond market action might start to lead you think that maybe stagflation will be a word that starts to crop up in the modern lexicon a lot more uh, frequently, just because higher oil and gas and energy and fuel prices and food prices, with Russia and Ukraine controlling 30% of the world's wheat, um, 
it's a tax on consumers' pockets, and it's a, it's it's an imposition on corporate margins, and therefore both of their mm. willingness and ability to spend. So you could end up with higher commodity and raw material prices, and yet slower growth. So you the 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 the, the odds towards that rare recurrence of stagflation, which we saw in the in the nineteen seventies in the UK and the US, have, have probably gone up. And interestingly. I know Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve Chairman, um, more or less affirmed on, on, on Wednesday that there'd be a one-quarter point raise from the Fed on the 16th of March, not the half-point rise that was that was almost priced in a month ago. Bond markets have backed off from that very quickly. They've knocked that back to a quarter point. And having been pricing in US interest rates of 2% or more by December, they're now probably factoring in maybe yeah. a percent and a half. So again, stagflation is not something central banks can easily deal with, can they? Unless, of course, interest rates are higher, in which case they can try and give a bit of ginger to the economies well, well, by they, reducing what, them. What central banks cannot do is print oil, gold, yeah. wheat, cobalt, aluminium, nickel, lithium, or anything else. And, and again, this still comes back to the argument we've had. If you do see inflation, okay, maybe stagflation, then real assets, real stuff, after 10 years in the investment doghouse, might well indeed be the place to be because you can't just, even if you want to and you're allowed to and there's political will to do and public will to do so, you can't just flick a switch and drill a well and mm. conjure oil from the earth's crust. And the same applies to, pre to, to, to industrial metals yes. and, and precious metals. So I think in that respect, there are no immediate solutions in that if commodity prices stay. In the end, what's the best cure for high prices? high prices because it will prompt people to either look for an alternative say in the case of energy maybe accelerate renewables or, or, or alternative mm -hmm. sources or, or come up with you know uh, alternative i noticed the iea today is just asking people to turn their central heating down by one degree centigrade because they say that will serve enormous amounts of gas which may well be true but it's it's it's, it's not something that necessarily everybody will want to That's do the iea energy iea rather than yeah. the institute of economic affairs the institute for energy yes. okay. the, the right. yeah, yes. yeah exactly let's, and, let's and, pause just for one moment russ this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for... Uh, private investors. I'm in conversation with uh, Russ Mould of AJ Bell. Russ, I mean, there's an interesting conversation to be had, perhaps not now, about whether globalisation was quite as wonderful as uh, as we all thought it was at the, the time. We were thinking that even, of course, when COVID struck, because it caused so many problems. But perhaps we should look at this from a private investor's point of view. You've been talking about how important yeah. real assets are. Uh, clearly, energy-related stocks, uh, defence-related stocks um, out of the doghouse. Uh, a lot of the companies that really were, were shunned by many investors um, now suddenly look attractive. But what should investors do? Or is it too late to do anything except just sit on your hands? Well, well I think second guessing what's going to happen is impossible. So in that respect, taking a or if you wish to take a strong view on how you think the conflict will play out, fine. But nobody knows. And, and therefore, I think I wouldn't be want to be too dogmatic. I think that, you know, if you 
you know, the, the most logical view seems to me that, you know, again, it, it would speak to a weighting towards commodities and real assets because, you know, that's the way the market action has been going. And if you look by contrast, and again, it's just a matter of what has worked for the last 10 years in a low rate, low growth, low inflation environment has been long duration and paper assets, bonds, tech, biotech. So if the mood music has changed and we're now in an inflationary or stagflationary environment, then it's logical to assume that they won't work and what's underperformed will and commodities have underperformed massively. And as you said, in the 70s, what did work and there weren't many things that did in real terms, what did work were commodities, defense stocks and pricing power stocks, mm -hmm. consumer staples. If you do get stagflation or inflation, you would think that consumer discretionary would be a tricky place to be. You would think that, again, long dated assets would be difficult. Um, and so I think in that respect, it, it speaks to a balanced portfolio prepared for multiple eventualities. But I think that, you know, putting your money where nobody's been putting their money for a decade or more, is probably not a daft idea. Uh, and, and that would, again, lead you to commodities or paper claims on uh, thereupon. Mm. Wars are tricky, uh, are horrible things. Thankfully, there aren't many of them. There have been conflicts since, say, the FTSE all share was established in 1962. You've had Vietnam. You've had the Russian invasion of what was then Czechoslovakia. You've had the Arab-Israeli wars. Um, you've had the Russian invasion of Afghanistan. You've had 9-11. Um, you've had Yugoslavia. But thankfully, not many. Thankfully, generally very short. And as a result, the global economy and financial markets have generally recaptured their equilibrium very quickly, and they've actually bounced back. And it's really only the 73 Arab-Israeli war that had a profound and long-lasting impact upon the global economy and financial markets. Again, secondary considerations to everything that was happening on, on the ground. Yes, yes. The that was largely that, because of, the, of oil, wasn't it? You stole my... Sorry, I I'm, I'm so no, sorry. No, no, no. no I'm I just intrigued. You knock them in. This is perfect. And this is why it's so relevant to today. Because if you do get a sustained oil price shock, and then in 73 was followed by 79 when the, the Shah of Iran was deposed. Um, this is why this one is harder to call. Because it could have ramifications beyond the physical borders involved, vitally important and primary consideration as they are, because if oil does stay higher, then that could fuel inflation. It does make life difficult for consumers and corporates, and it could therefore have a lasting impact. So yes, we are looking for a rapid solution diplomatically for the sake of the people of, U of Ukraine, but also, you know, people start saying, what does it mean for me? Well, it could mean higher energy bills. It could mean more expensive trips to the petrol pump. They're getting used to that already. It could mean more expensive food. So I think in that respect, we do need to be on our guard and therefore having, again, some degree of stagflation, inflation protection in portfolios, not a bad hedge, but hopefully, you know, people have got a balanced portfolio and have a little bit of that at least anyway. Mm. Russ Mould, thank you very much indeed. I've been talking to Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell, looking at uh, the world of investment from a UK perspective. That is it for the financial outlook for personal investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.